Hey everyone, this is Chad Arms, pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about sacrifice. It'll play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to ask you to do something that I've asked you to do before. Will you please take some time to leave this podcast a rating or review on whichever podcast host you use? If you'll do that, then it will help our sermons be heard by more people. And as I always say, we think that is really important, really valuable. So if you could leave us a rating or review, it will help us spread the message of Jesus further. We'd really, really appreciate it. Again, thanks for listening. I hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Well, good morning. Uh, I am Chad, pastor of this church, and I, I maybe am weird in this regard, and I, I hope that you're similar uh, to what I'm about to say, or else maybe the sermon won't make sense at all, but uh, I like to know when something is going to be really hard ahead of time. I like to be told that it's going to be work if it's going to be work. Uh, I like, like these t-shirts that say, I hate running. Have you ever seen those? And runners wear them. I really like that because, because I, I think that some people think like, oh, people that run really l- like running, you know, like uh, they just must love that and I hate it and so I won't do it. But for me, Exercise is always terrible unless like I'm playing a sport, like I just hate exercising. And, and, and I like knowing, like I'm working. We just completed, my wife and I, about a month ago, P90X3. It's the half hour version of the workout thing called P90X. And one of the things I love about it is that he took this kind of countercultural approach to exercise when Tony Horton... Um, who I probably like a little too much. I really uh, just, I watch everything he does. He's like my health guru. But, uh, but he took this opposite approach to kind of what the industry was doing when he launched the original workout videos that he launched where everybody's like, hey, in two and a half minutes a day, you can have the perfect body. And you're like, no, I can't. Or like, this is so easy. Just buy this machine and all you have to do is sit on it and you'll have abs of steel. And you're like, that doesn't seem right, right? And, and then he, he came along and he's like, no, we're, gonna, we're just going to advertise this is really hard and really difficult, but if, you, if you'll work, then it will produce results. It will be really important. And so they threw the X on it, and, and I really like it because even at the beginning of segments, he's like, this is going to destroy you. And, and you know ahead of time going into it, it's going to be an awful experience, but you're going to get something out of it. Today I want to try to take the, the opposite approach of, of what uh, I think so many people are doing in Christianity, uh, and that is we, we've created this culture in the American church where we've found, we've believed that the best approach is to try to make everybody feel like being a Christian is going to be this really easy thing to do. And, and so we, we do this. There's a reason we do this because we want you to buy the tapes, you know? I mean, we want you to, to be drawn into Christianity. If you're not a Christian, the, the reason that Christians have tried to make Christianity seem just about like everything else except for a little different on Sunday mornings is because we want to, to draw you in. But what that's done is it's been like this, this bait and switch for people, right? Like, hey, 
if you just become a Christian, your life will be easier. It won't change that much about you. Look, we look just like everybody else. We have our own t-shirts and our own music, and it's just so fun. Oh, and by the way, here's 100 rules that you need to follow, you know? And, and so then we kind of just, once Christianity gets hard, we, we don't do it because we've been, we've been told that in just a few minutes a day, we'll have the spiritual lives of our dreams, And as we talk about sacrifice and we think about this passage of scripture we're going to look at today, let me just just bury the lead right here at the beginning. I just want you to understand that what the Bible says about about living a Christian life is that that it is sacrifice, which in turn means it can be really, really hard, but there's a reason that that's all worth it. It's not abs of steel, but it's, it's something even better, better than that. And, and, and so today we're going to look at 1 Peter 2.5, primarily just one verse. But before we do, I want to remind you of a couple of things that I talked about last week in our first sermon in this series. For those of you that weren't here, uh, you need this information as we move forward. But for those of you that were, uh, you probably don't remember anyway. And, and that's the first thing is this, that, that for a definition of sacrifice, we're just going with Google here. Uh, I'm usually an Apple guy, but we're going to go with Google on this issue because Google defines, when I just Google definition of sacrifice, sacrifice in a really biblical kind of way. And I think it's important for us as I talk about sacrifice to, to understand what I mean so that we can all be on the same page. And that's how, this is how Google defines sacrifice. An act of giving something valued for the, something, for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. An act of giving something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. And when we talk about that in terms of Christianity, it's, it's this, it's Christian people giving something up, giving of themselves because they believe, we believe, that God is more important or more valuable. And so we say, I'll I'll give this up, whatever this is. We'll talk about some of the this later in this sermon and in this series. But we give this up because we look at God and we say, you're more valuable, more important than this thing is, but you're even more importantly, more valuable, more important, more worth honoring, more worth worshiping, more worth glorifying than I am. So I'm willing to sacrifice for you. So that's the first thing you need to know. And then then this other thing is really important. And I'll probably repeat this just throughout the whole series. But uh, a lot of times we have the idea that we sacrifice in order to make ourselves okay with God, in order to be forgiven, in order to have a, a right relationship with God, in order to get into heaven, all of these things. But as Christians, we don't think that we sacrifice to earn forgiveness. We think we sacrifice because we have been forgiven. We don't sacrifice because we're trying to to make God happy with us because we're trying to make up for the sins, the, the jerky things that we've done in the past. We don't sacrifice in order to, to, to be a better person so that in the afterlife we can be okay. We sacrifice because we, we realize how much God has done through us in the sacrifice of Jesus and we're responding to that. We're saying, God, look, I know you created me But also on top of creating me, you were willing to give your life for me. You were willing to die a terrible, torturous death on a cross. You were willing to pay the consequences of hell on my behalf. And I believe that. And so so I'm willing to, 
to sacrifice for you because I, I love you. Last week I mentioned this new TV show. It's not that new. Anything like after 1991 is new to me, but um, I know it makes me sound old, but I'm just, I was kind of old when I was young. Um, but, but this show is a couple years old now, and I mentioned it in my sermon last week because I had heard about it, and I started watching it this week, and the whole, the whole thing is, is like the opposite of what I said. You, you either get into the good place, which is like a heavenly place, or you go into the bad place, and there's an entire point system, and the point system is in large part based on if you were willing to sacrifice for the good of other people. Almost everything that they talk about in terms of good on the show is sacrifice. And everything they talk about in terms of bad is something the opposite of sacrifice. Self-gain, all of those things. And it's, it's a funny show and it's a funny concept. But I think too many people in their heart of hearts believe or at least feel like it's kind of true. If I can just sacrifice enough, I'll be okay with God. But God said, you cannot sacrifice enough to be okay with me. I will sacrifice for you. And as a loving, worshipful response to that, we, we choose to sacrifice. So with those two things in mind, we turn our attention to 1 Peter, my favorite book in all the Bible. And it's important that you read 1 Peter 1 through 3. It's, it's really good. It's really valuable. Go home and read it. I'm not going to read it today. I want to start in verse 4 because it gives us the context of verse 5. 1 Peter 2, 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. So this is Jesus, we're talking about Jesus, and he refers to Jesus as a living stone, which doesn't make sense until we read the next verses, but it is important to remind us of this, that Jesus died and Jesus rose again. This is kind of a veiled reference to the resurrection of Christ. The reason that any of us in this room are Christians is because we believe not only that Jesus died for our sins, but also that he got out of the grave, which is miraculous, world-changing, it, it changed history, and, and so this is Peter saying, what I'm about to say next applies to all of you who have come to Jesus, who have accepted Jesus, who believe in the resurrection, who have given themselves to Christ, who call themselves and are, in fact, Christians. That's important for two reasons. One, if you're not a Christian, then what we read next, we don't really think you need to do it. It's not going to do any good for you to sacrifice. You need to accept Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. You need to embrace Jesus. You need to love Jesus. You need to follow Jesus. But it's, it's important for another reason that's primarily for you who are Christians in this room. And that's because it applies to all of you who have come to Jesus. What we're going to read next, it's really easy to dismiss it as like something for me, for Chad, like actually me, like not for you. Like, hey, this is something that a certain set of people that we call pastors or priests or ministers, like that's for them. But it's pretty eye-opening, and, and I think that's really key to what we'll see in the next verse. It's pretty eye-opening to recognize that in verse 4, or Peter says, what I'm about to say, this is for you who have come to Jesus, this is for you who are Christians, and that'll make sense when I read it, so let's do that now, 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through 
Jesus Christ. This whole verse builds towards that phrase, spiritual sacrifices. And so as we, as we look at the rest of the verse and the intricacies of it, the details of it, know that it's building towards this one concept that we'll talk about, and that is the concept of spiritual sacrifices. But before we get there, it's important to think about what he says before this, and there's a couple of key phrases. The first one is, like living stones. What's so beautiful about that is that's exactly the, the phrase that he's used for Jesus. Maybe we've forgotten this. I think some people maybe never have known this, but the American Christian Church doesn't do a very good job of reminding people of this. When we become Christians, we are to be like Jesus. That word Christian means little Christ or something to that effect. And, and what we've told people for a long time, and this is, this is true, it's just not the full story, is that a Christian is a person who believes that everything I've said, that Jesus died for the sins of the world, that he came out of the grave, came back to life, and he offers us forgiveness for sins. And believing that is, is really important. I mean, it's, it's essential to being a Christian. But what we've kind of forgotten, and what the early Christians really thought about, is, that, is this. To be a Christian is to be somebody who follows Jesus, who tries to live like Jesus, who tries to be obedient to Jesus, whose life reflects Jesus. And Peter uses the the same phrase for Jesus and for people who follow Jesus, living stones. And it's this incredible reminder, especially in the context of sacrifice, that we serve a God who sacrificed everything, life, happiness, the gloriousness of heaven, something I don't think we can actually fully imagine, right? He sacrificed all of that for us. And if we're going to be like him, if we're going to follow him, if we're going to act as Christians, then that means that we too, in turn, as we try to live like Jesus, are going to be sacrificial ourselves. Part of living as a Christian is living like Jesus. And part of living like Jesus is to live sacrificially. The word biblical commentary says to believe in Jesus Christ and belong to him is in some sense to be like him. And the key moments of Jesus' life were the ones in which he was giving up his life for your good, for my good. The moments where he, he bowed down in prayer and said to his Father in heaven, I really don't want to deal with what I'm about to deal with. I mean, that whole torture thing, that whole spiritual death thing, I really don't want to do it. But I'm going to do it anyway sacrifice the moments where he was being beaten and mocked and the the people know the people know he has the ability to save himself i mean he could call down angels if he wants to and he sacrifices instead and then when he's hanging on the cross and and he's just suffering spiritual agony and he just chooses to hang there for you As we talk about sacrifice, it's important to remember we don't sacrifice in order to earn forgiveness. We sacrifice because we have been forgiven. But it's important to remember that, that as we sacrifice with that in mind, 
We sacrifice in part because we're choosing to be like the one who has allowed us to be forgiven, Jesus. To be a Christian, to be a Jesus follower is to live a life of, of, of sacrifice. Now, one of the most interesting parts of this verse is it's really corporate in nature, and that's another thing we kind of forget in the American church. And I'm not gonna talk about it too long today, but this is us together. There's something collective about the Christian faith that we have forgotten. There's this mindset that, that I can do Christianity alone by myself in the woods. People always say that. I don't know why. Like I can just go on a mountain or whatever. Like that, I'm not that way at all. So that's probably why it stands out. It's like, why am I on this mountain? Let me go back to the city. I know it's terrible. Heaven will be a city though. So something for me to look forward to and not you hikers. But, um, but people always say that. Like I can do spirituality this way. And this verse is a reminder. It's all like plural. The language in this verse is plural. Not all of it, but most of it. And saying, you guys together, you together make these sacrifices. This is a corporate deal. This is congregational in nature. And Peter says that we are being built up. We're living stones that are being built up. And it's so important to remember that we we are not the ones building ourselves into something that can please God because that's where it's, it's moving. God is building us up for a purpose. That's huge. I mean, we obviously take steps. We read the word of God, the Bible. We, we pray. We come to church. We, we try to practice some spiritual disciplines in order to be a part of that process. But we cannot build ourselves any more than a building can build itself. God is building us up, but this is the point of this whole thing. He's building us up with a purpose, and we're going to see that the purpose is sacrifice in this verse. He's building us up into a spiritual house. It's almost impossible. It's a different word than temple, but it's almost impossible to read this phrase without thinking about the temple of the, of the Old Testament. And the temple in the Old Testament, and I touched on this last week, but it's important to say again, was this building big, beautiful building, where, where God resided in a unique and special way. It's important to understand that God was not confined to this building. It's not as if God was like the genie, this just popped into my head, like the genie in Aladdin, you know, like he's just waiting for somebody to let him out or something. That's not what it is. But God's presence was special and unique in this building called the temple. God still could be in any place, but God, his presence was special and powerful in this building called the temple. And so here as we read this spiritual house, it's, what God is saying is I'm building you into this place where my presence is unique and powerful. But beyond that, because God's presence was unique and powerful in the temple, it was only right for it to be the place where people offered their gifts and their prayers and their sacrifices, right? I mean, it's like, hey, God, I want to, I want to come and I want to worship you. Maybe you want to sing to God. Maybe you want to pray to God. Maybe you want to sacrifice like, by killing an animal to God. It only makes sense to go where you know God is, at least most fully. 
And so the temple was the place for, for God to be receiving gifts and to be receiving prayers and to be receiving thanksgiving, to be receiving sacrifices, the sacrifices that the people were making. You can see how profound this is, yeah? You all, you, you people who have come to the living stone, Jesus, God is building you up in order to be the place of his presence and therefore the place of his sacrifices. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22 says, in him, that's Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. One author said when Christians meet together, they constitute a temple. I think that Christians constitute a temple when they are together in unity and love. The spiritual house is a metaphor for the community where the spirit of God dwells, I quote again. And therefore, it's this place of sacrifice. We're the place of sacrifice. It's kind of profound, and uh, I don't know that I need this illustration, but I decided to do it anyway, and um, I was going to buy bricks, but we already had cinder blocks, but it's like each of you is constituting a stone, uh, a stone, I'm going to do it this way so it looks a little better, uh, a stone in the house of God, and I think it's really easy to look and think about the worship of God in terms of a physical building, like we have churches today that stand, and we think of churches as a, a place of worship. And I remember joking, I don't make this joke anymore because my theology's better now, but I only did four. It'd look cooler if it was higher, but they're kind of heavy. Um, and I did do P90X, though, so I'm okay. Uh, but we think of like a church as a holy space. I remember making the joke, that's what I was saying, like, you know, like, are you lying in church? Or like, hey, did you just cuss in church when I was a younger man? And, and it's like, we think of church buildings as really sacred spaces. But we should think of ourselves as really sacred spaces if we've come to Christ. That's a shift, right? We think of spots as really holy, really powerful spots for God's presence and, and these are the places where we, we offer our gifts to God and we, we, we sing to God and we pray to God and, and I hope we all know this because we meet in a school and not a church building so I mean it'd be bad news if you could only find God and make these sacrifices in a church building but it's about us people and then, and then Peter does this thing that I don't know as a modern reader I don't, I don't love, but he, he kind of switches metaphors. Uh, another author says, they're not only the stones that compromise the building, but also the priests who work in it. Because he says, look, you're being built up into a, a, a spiritual house, right? But you're also a holy priesthood. And what's weird about the language uh, in Greek is that he really combines these two things. Uh, they're like the phrases are really tied together. And, and so he's saying like, you are, this is, this is how I would describe it. You are the place and the priests for God's sacrifice. You are both the place and the priests for God's sacrifice. 
The priests were the guys who would make the sacrifices. They could go into the presence of God in, in ways that other people could not enter into the presence of God. They would kill the animals. They would sprinkle the blood. And, and the, the point when they had a real animal sacrificial system like killing animals, I mean, the point is so clear. We who have come to Christ are the place and the priests of sacrifice. And you can go a lot of ways with this. Uh, John MacArthur talks about six ways that the priesthood of the Old Testament can apply to us who are Christians because we don't kill animals and that would be weird because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. But he, but he says we're, we're chosen and we're cleansed and we're clothed for service and we're anointed for service and we're prepared for service and we're called to obedience. And those things are all great, but, but I think at the heart of this is uh, no, none of those details. I think of the, at the very heart of this is, is God saying to you through Peter who wrote this down, you are, you are, you are the place and the people to make sacrifices. I don't, I said earlier, I said like, you think like this is somebody else's job and we've used that term priest, right, in the history of Christianity for a certain group of people. But this is about everyone who has come to Jesus. We should be thinking of our lives in terms of, of this, that we are a brick in the, in the building, the space that is for the sacrifice of God. Now, as we talk about that, we need to understand something about the Old Testament sacrifices that are really, really key. And, and the first is this. We think of, if you think of the Old Testament sacrifices at all, we think that they were all, we feel like they were all about cleansing people from their sins. We talked about last week the Day of Atonement and, and how the, there was this whole ritualistic system in order to appease God and, and uh, make him look over the sins of the people. But that was only part of the sacrificial system. People sacrificed, killed animals, not just to cleanse sins, and they made other sacrifices of grain and things like that. They did it also in order to be in communion with God, not communion like this, but like in unity with God, in order to build their relationship with God. They did it in order to thank God, in order to praise God. It was really part of the worship experience. And we've made it so clear, I hope I've made it so clear in this series, that we don't sacrifice in order to, to be forgiven. But when we think of being built up into the place and people of sacrifice. It's important to, for us to recognize what that means. It means that we are people who ought to give things up because we think God is more important and we believe that the things that we give up are going to be pleasing to God. That's huge. I mean, if I'm sacrificing because a pastor said, hey, you should be willing to give up money or you should pray more and or you should you know come to church on Sundays and that'll be part of sacrifice which it is in some ways you're sacrificing something to be here this morning but if that's it if God's not paying attention I don't want any of it 
But when we understand that the Old Testament sacrificial system was not just for the forgiveness of sins, it was also because the people were like, God, we love you. We realize you've made us your people. We want to please you. Here, here's what I'm giving up for you. Then it should compel us to follow suit. You can read Leviticus 1 and 2. In the Old Testament, before Leviticus gets super weird, starts talking about warts and moles and stuff. Before that, in the first couple of chapters, it's all about these sacrifices that are just to say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you've done for us as a people. We're the place and people of sacrifice, and we sacrifice in order that we can, that we can say, God, thank you. For sending your son Jesus, for caring about me, for for providing for me, for creating me, for taking care of my family. For all of these things that you have given me. Now, another part of sacrifice in the New Testament that's, that's really important is that attitude really matters to God when we're making sacrifices, which kind of... It kind of sucks for me because I've, I've said this in a sermon before, but I like P90X because they tell me how hard it's going to be, but also I complain like every single day. Like, I can't believe i got to work out again. This is terrible. I wake up like, Bryn, are we really doing this? This is the worst. I hate this. This is terrible. See, I'm complaining about it now, and it feels so natural. But, but the attitude is really important for God. And when we sacrifice for God, because, because we feel like it's going to earn us some place in heaven or whatever. It's, it's, not, it's not what God desires. He loves a cheerful giver, as it says elsewhere in the New Testament. But when we do it with the right attitude, it's, it's so pleasing to God. And, and there's these things that even in the Old Testament were used metaphorically in terms of sacrifice for for things that please God. And, and you can see some of them in Psalms. Psalm 50, 13, and 14, and 23. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me. Psalm 51, 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise me. Psalm 141, 1. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. In Revelation 8, 3, that kind of idea of prayer being a part of sacrifice is repeated uh, this is a heavenly scene. It's like the veil of heaven is po- uh, pulled back. And, and we read this. Another angel with a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, which is part of the sacrificial system, with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. I would add that if we're going to be sacrificial, we're going to do our best to be the place and people of sacrifice, then love will be a part of that. Sacrifice and love go hand in hand. First John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He sacrificed for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And so just in these two phrases, like opens up so much about about sacrifice it says all of these things that are connected it shows us these things anyway i mean think of this a holy life a life where you live with right and good conduct where you live in obedience to god the priests had to do that in a different way than all of the other people that's part of sacrifice 
You know what a lot of pastors around the country are probably saying this morning? If you'll just live the way God wants you to live, then everything's going to be better for you. And this morning, I just want to take a little bit of a countercultural approach and say, man, sometimes to live for God, it absolutely sucks. I mean, you're going to miss some parties and you're going to miss out on some things that in the moment, at least, you'll really, really enjoy. But it pleases God. And if you're a Christian, you're, you've been literally built for it. You're not fulfilling your purpose and you're not pleasing God in the ways that you should if you're not sacrificing for God. I'm trying to put this into practice this week, but like you're gonna face a decision this week where you know right and wrong, right? You have those moments, like the good angel and the bad angel is how we picture it in our heads. You're gonna have those moments. Good angel, bad angel, right, wrong, what should I do? Should I yell at my wife? Should I be a jerk to this guy at work? Should I steal this thing? I mean, what should I do? And as Christians, we should look and say, man, It might work out better for me if I do the wrong thing, but a godly life is part of sacrifice. And so I will willingly, graciously do the right thing because I want to please the one who loved me enough to save me. To to me, that's better. I just like that better. Like, yeah, it's hard, it's difficult. It's not that fun sometimes to be a Christian, but I'm gonna try to live like one anyway because I I believe it's worth it because God's looking down and saying, thank you, I love that, I'm pleased with that, that's awesome, great job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or how about prayer? Prayer will change your life for the good. I really do believe that. But man, that's really hard to think about when you are are thinking about whether to sleep in in the morning or stay up late at night or whether you want to check off this thing on the to-do list or pray longer, you know? I mean, it's really hard to say like, this prayer thing is really gonna benefit me in the long run. In the short term, you're like, this prayer thing is kind of getting in the way. But what God's made so clear is that you being the place and people of sacrifice ought to pray anyway because when you do it's like a fragrant offering a good smell that just goes up to God and he's pleased with it now obviously that's metaphorical right I don't know how God smells things or anything like that but but he's pleased with it it's like when somebody bakes chocolate chip cookies it's just nice and so when you think about prayer I don't want you to think about it like, oh, this should be easy. Because we have that in our minds. Says, oh, those people who, it's like running, right? Like, like, oh, the people who do it, they just love it. It's so fun for them. I think it'd be inappropriate to make a shirt that says, I hate praying. But it would serve a point, right? Like if you could just see us praying, these people who pray in our church, if you could see us praying with an I hate praying shirt on, it'd be a good reminder that, that it's part of sacrifice. I mean, there's more. I, Thanksgiving in general. I mean, God is pleased when you just thank him for things. It's praying, I know that prayer is part of that, but so much of our prayers today are just, just saying, God, do this, do this, do this, please do this, please do this, please do this. But as a person in place of sacrifice, God wants you just to thank him. It's huge. 
And it's not always easy, right? Because when things are really bad in your life, the last thing you want to do is say, God, thank you for this good thing. Or even sometimes like, God, thank you for giving everything for me. That's hard when everything's bad, when you don't know where the next paycheck's gonna come from, when people have been jerks to you, when your family's falling apart, to stop even for a minute and say, God, thank you. Uh, This other thing, like expressions of love. Like doing things that are loving, right? Like you don't wanna do it, but you know it's the loving, sacrificial thing to do. I think we have that same mindset, like, this should be easy, I'm such a jerk, I should feel like loving this person and helping them move, I hate helping people move, (laughs) I should feel like it, and I don't, so I won't, but you are the place and person of sacrifice, and you don't love, you don't do things that are loving because you like it. You do it because you were built. You're being built up for sacrifices that are pleasing to God. And so you go help a person move. Not because you like them, but because you know that God will like it when you help them. We're going to talk about some other very specific aspects of sacrifice in the coming weeks. And we should think about all of them in these terms. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be sacrificial. And it pleases God when we make those sacrifices. There's one other great, great piece of news that you need to, uh, to have in your heads. And, and I love this. This makes it so much easier. You're the, you're the place and person of sacrifice. Uh, but there's this great conversation in the New Testament where, where Peter's talking about how hard it is for a rich person to get into heaven because... It's hard for them to to sacrifice because they have so much to give up, right? It's hard for them to give everything to Jesus when they have more to give up. And then Jesus says, God, with God it's possible. And then then Peter asks this very logical question to Jesus. He's like, hey, us disciples, like these 12 guys who followed Jesus around while he was alive on earth and did ministry, he's like, we've left everything for you. What's in it for us? It's a great question. When you read it and you're thinking in terms of the Bible, you're like, dude, come on. But when you really put yourself in Peter's shoes, you'd ask the same question. Like, really, Jesus? I've been wandering around camping for three years because I love you and I want to give my life to you. What's in it for me? I mean, the question that we that we ask, right, is like, hey, okay, God, if I'm a Christian, you've built me up to be the person in in the place of sacrifice. You've built me for that purpose. I realize it pleases you. God, I'm willing even to do it. Even if I get nothing out of it, I'm willing to do it. But I wanna know what's in it for me at the same time. And what I'd expect for Jesus if I didn't know what happens is for him to respond how I would, you know, feel like I should respond as a pastor. Like, it's not about you Look at all the things that God's done for you. This is all about what is good for him and all that. Instead, Jesus says, I want you to know that whatever you've given up on this earth, you're gonna be repaid infinitely more when you get into heaven. 
that's awesome. Because we don't, that's grace is what it is. I mean, think about this equation, right? I rejected God. God loved me so much. He came down and said, I'm going to do something in order that you can have a right relationship with me. He sacrificed everything. He paid the price of hell for me. Then he called me and said, hey, enter into a relationship with me by believing that. I said, yeah, I'll do it. He said, when you do it, you ought to be the, the place and, and person of sacrifice. Okay, I'll do some of that. That's me. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll do some of that. Oh, and by the way, when you do, I'm going to reward you for it. What? That's crazy. And then just to tie it all in a nice little bow, there's this great scene in heaven in the book of Revelation where the people have these crowns on their head. God has rewarded them for the work that they have done, for sacrificing for him. And they're throwing them at Jesus' feet saying, I don't deserve any of this. And I love that idea, getting into heaven. God says, you sacrificed so much for me. Here's what I'm gonna give to you. It's like, oh, sweet, look at all this stuff. And then I see Jesus and I look into his eyes and say, I wanna give it to you because you sacrificed so much more for me. Isn't that awesome? You, I'm gonna say it, I know it's like a hundred times, but you are the place and person of sacrifice. And when you think about this Christian life and what it requires of you, I want you to think about it. This is a weird way to end. I want you to think about it not in terms of five-minute apps, but in terms of P90X. I want you to remember that it wasn't meant to be easy, but it's meant to be so good. It's meant to be sacrificial. And so sacrifice knowing that it pleases God and sacrifice knowing that God will reward you graciously for the sacrifices that you've made. Let me pray that you'll do that. Lord Jesus, what an incredible thing you've done for us. I pray that every person in this room, every person who will listen online later, God, would come to believe and accept the, the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the hope and the joy that comes along with your sacrifice. And they would choose to give you their lives, God, because no amount of sacrifice is going to get them into the good place, Lord, apart from you. But for those of us who have accepted you as our Savior and our Lord, who have given our lives to you, God, I, I pray, even though it's countercultural, God, that we would see our lives through the lens of sacrifice. And we would remember that you have built us into the, as I've said a million times, God, the, the place and, and person of sacrifice. And, and we would willingly, for your pleasure in order to bring you worship and honor and the word that we use here so frequently glory God I pray that we would willingly sacrifice for you that we would strive to live a life that is obedient to what you've called us to do and not do God I pray that we would pray even when we don't want to I pray that we would thank you even when it's hard God and I pray that we would love even when love costs us much God, I want to be a church that when people look at us, they don't think like, man, that church is trying to make a name for themselves. That church is trying to, you know, get more people. They, instead, God, people look at us and say, wow, that's a church 
that's willing to sacrifice for the good of their God. And that happens, God, as you change our hearts individually. And so I pray that you would that you'd work on us this morning. You draw us to that place. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.